presented by America's Plastic Makers. Good morning, Playbookers. I'm Ragumunovolin. It's Wednesday. And today's show, the biggest takeaways from last night's State of the Union. This is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. If you missed last night's speech, here were the key takeaways and revealing moments that stuck with Team Playbook from President Biden's first State of the Union speech. Number one, Biden's cost-free confrontation with Russia. On the surface, events in Russia clearly upended the State of the Union speech. Biden spent the first 12 minutes of his address focused on the events there. He said that Russian President Vladimir Putin badly miscalculated in thinking the free world would bend to his menacing ways. He branded him a dictator and reiterated that he would crack down on the oligarchs, propping Putin up by seizing their ill-begotten gains, their yachts, luxury apartments, and private jets. He bragged that Russia's economy is reeling from sanctions. He praised the resilience of the Ukrainian people and used the opportunity to engineer a rare bipartisan State of the Union standing ovation near the top of the speech, when the TV audience is typically at its peak. He patted himself on the back with a quick review of his leadership throughout the crisis. Quote, We prepared extensively and carefully, Biden said, noting the months building a coalition of other freedom-loving nations, and how he spent countless hours unifying our European allies and countered Russia's lies with truth. He announced one new policy as it relates to Russia. Biden said America will follow Europeans in, quote, closing off American airspace to all Russian flights. He then departed from his prepared remarks with a hint at additional cost to Putin, quote, he has no idea what's coming. But there was a lot missing when he broached a question that has had Democrats chattering all week. How would Biden address the cost of the war to the American people? There was little from Biden about how long the conflict would last, how much it would spike gas and food prices, how it would change American priorities when it comes to energy policy or our relationships with other petrostates. There was no hint that destroying the Russian economy might elicit a forceful reaction from Putin. There was no explanation about what it means for Americans that the Russian president has twice this week discussed his nuclear arsenal. Biden said, quote, To all Americans, I will be honest with you. A Russian dictator invading a foreign country has costs around the world. What costs, though? He didn't say. He promised to, quote, use every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers, and he announced that America will release 30 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to help blunt gas prices here at home. If the crisis in Ukraine, like COVID-19 and inflation before it, is about to change anything for the Biden presidency and the American people, the president wasn't exactly ready to admit it. Takeaway number two, Biden's pivot back to the middle. Fund the police is the new defund the police. Voting rights are important, but not the top issue. And BBB, what's that? In year two, the Biden administration is moving to the center. At least that's what Tuesday's night suggests. Biden talked about progressive priorities, but didn't bang the gong. On voting rights, his remarks, roughly 83 words in a nearly 6,500-word speech, yes, we counted, seemed relatively perfunctory compared to the sort of crisis language he's used on the topic as recently as January. On immigration, he talked just as much about stopping drug smuggling and human traffickers as he did about immigration reform. On policing, Biden said, quote, The answer is not to defund the police. The answer is to fund the police with the resources and training they need to protect our communities. And on student loan forgiveness, well, he didn't even mention it. Progressives weren't exactly thrilled. Representative Cori Bush took to Twitter to push back on Biden's call to fund the police. She wrote, quote, With all due respect, you didn't mention saving black lives once in the speech. All our country has done is given more funding to police. 
The result, 2021 set a record for fatal police shootings to fund the police invest in our communities. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was on MSNBC after Biden's speech, criticizing him for not going far enough on climate change. Quote, it was a lost opportunity because there is bipartisan support for a long-term shift away from fossil fuels. She said, we need to hear more about our transition to clean energy beyond weatherizing our windows. Takeaway number three, a plan B, C, maybe D for BBB. If you're hoping for Biden to name check his Build Back Better agenda in the State of the Union, you're out of luck. BBB is more or less dead, but its component parts, well, maybe not. On Tuesday night, Biden listed some familiar policies he'd like to see stick around. Negotiating prescription drug prices, mitigating climate change, and investing in the care economy. But instead of labeling them as part of the BBB social spending plan, he framed them as, quote, building a better America, an effort to fight inflation and lower the deficit. More to the point, it's also an effort to get Senator Joe Manchin back to the negotiating table. And by that measure, his new framework came up short. Manchin said when asked about that section of the State of the Union after the speech, quote, they just can't help themselves. I don't know where that came from. Nothing's changed. Politico's Manchin whisperer Burgess Everett had this to say, quote, after Biden's speech, Manchin says no formal talks with the administration on a reconciliation bill. Says he's fine starting with fixing tax code, but he has bigger concerns. Inflation is the number one enemy we have in America today. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 9.15 a.m. Eastern. The president will receive the president's daily brief at 10.15. The Bidens will leave the White House, arriving in Duluth, Minnesota at 1.15. At 3.15, the Bidens will tout the bipartisan infrastructure law and the new Building a Better America agenda at the Yellow Jacket Union at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. And at 5.10, the Bidens will leave Duluth, arriving back at the White House at 7.40. Principal Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will gaggle on the way to Duluth aboard Air Force One. The House will meet at 10 a.m. Fed Chair Jerome Powell will testify before the Financial Services Committee at 10 a.m. The Senate is in today. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will testify before the Environment and Public Works Committee at 10 a.m. One last thing on today's calendar, Biden's SCOTUS nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson will meet separately today with Senate leaders Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell, as well as Senate Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin and Ranker Chuck Grassley. All right, that's all I've got for you today. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Munavalan. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Plastic is a critical component of our nation's present and future. From reducing food waste to modernizing our infrastructure. But to tackle these critical challenges, we need Congress and industry to join forces. That's why we created five actions for suitable change, a comprehensive national strategy that would move the United States toward a sustainable circular economy in which plastic materials are made to be remade.